Hey, this is Greg Sanders. Thanks for listening today. It's our hope that this message will help you connect to God, grow in His Word, and serve the kingdom in a greater capacity. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. Today, I want to talk to you about lifting spiritual leaders. How many of you are thankful that you've got some spiritual leaders in your life? Let me tell you what, everyone needs some spiritual leaders in your life. You never outgrow it. I'm thankful for the spiritual leaders I have in my life. And I want to talk to you a little bit about that this morning. Uh, first off, I want to just clear the, clear the air on a few things. I want to make sure that you know this. Spiritual leaders are just like you in many ways. They have problems just like you. Their families have problems just like you. Their kids have a mind of their own, just like yours. They, uh, they fail. They're faulty. They get weary. They are not just more uh, inherently spiritual than you are. They do have a mantle of ministry that rests on their lives. They do have some spiritual anointing that rests on them for certain uh, areas in which they minister and to the places God has given them. And I realize in this room, in a size of gathering this, this big today, there's probably people that you're, you're here today, you're watching online, you're connecting with us online, and maybe you've been even disappointed in a spiritual leader before. Maybe, maybe even injured by a spiritual leader. And I'm not going to make an excuse for that. It happens. Why does it happen? Because spiritual leaders are people. They get deceived. They get led astray. Sometimes they choose the wrong path. But I I came to tell you this morning, we cannot allow our injuries of our past to excuse our behavior in the present. Because God's called us to lift, elevate spiritual leaders. And why do we say we should do this? I mean, what makes them different? Why should I lift them? Why should I elevate them? Why should I treat them different? Well, several reasons. We treat them, them different because of the office they hold. We treat them differently because of the call of God in their life. We treat them differently because of the responsibility that they carry. Uh, every spiritual leader will stand before God and give an account over those in which they lead. Let me talk to every man in the room. Every husband, every father in the room. When you stand before God, you will give an account for your life, but you will also give an account for your family. You'll give an account for what happens in your house. That's why, that's why Joshua said with conviction, as for me and my house... We're going to serve the Lord. Each of us, every leader, every spiritual leader at every level, you're going to give an account for the, uh, for the area that God places under you or God places you over. And we treat, them, we treat spiritual leaders differently because, here's the greatest reason, it's because God's Word tells us to. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse number 12. Now I ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love, 
Why? That's the question I've been asking the last few minutes. Why? Because of their perfection. Because they make you happy. Because they do it just like you would do it. No, no, no. Hold them in high regard because of their work. 1 Timothy chapter 5 says that the elders, leaders, in other words, who direct the affairs of the church are uh, church well are worthy of not just honor, but double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. And that's what Past Appreciation Month kind of celebrates. That's what we celebrate as a church. And in just a moment, I want to talk to you, I want to share a message with you about um, elevating spiritual leaders and how you can partner and be a blessing to the spiritual leaders that God has placed in your life. And the reason I'm sharing this this morning was a few weeks ago, early one morning, I woke up, I couldn't sleep, and I woke up, it's probably four o'clock in the morning or so, and I just went to my office and I was doing my daily devotion, I was not preparing for a sermon, I was just, just reading scripture and praying, just doing my, my normal Sunday, uh, Sunday morning thing, every morning thing uh, before the Lord, and I came across this scripture, it's part of our, our daily reading plan, if you're reading the scripture with us. Um, throughout the year, our, our daily reading plan at the church. Uh, and it was just like immediately, within 30 seconds, the Lord downloaded this message to me. And, and I, I literally could not let my, my hands, could not keep up with just the, the download I was receiving in that moment. And when I just, you know, moments later, I don't know if it was five minutes later or 30 minutes later, I was just trying to keep up with the download that, that morning. And the moment I got done with it, I had this thought, if someone will invite me to come preach for them, this would be a great Pastor Appreciation Day message for me to share with another church. This would be great for me to go share with someone else's church for some other pastor who's celebrating Pastor Appreciation Day. This would be great for me to share with them. Because I can't share it with my people. That would be self-serving. For me, a pastor, to tell the church how to treat pastors. That just seems a little bit awkward to me. And about the minute I began to think that way, I felt the Holy Spirit kind of slap me across the face and tell me, you mean you would go share with another group of people what you won't share with your own people? And I began to wrestle with the Holy Spirit for I don't know how long it was, only to say this, I lost. <laughs> so, I want to share with you lifting spiritual leaders this morning. Jeremiah chapter 38, the hardest part of this message is going to be pronouncing these first four names here. <laughs> Why don't we read verse 1 together? On your mark, get set, go. Okay, I'll take over. I'll take over. I couldn't have said it better myself. They heard what Jeremiah was telling the people. Thanks for rescuing me, by the way. <laughs> they heard him say, this is what the Lord says. 
Whoever stays in this city will die by the sword, famine, or plague. But whoever goes over to the Babylonians, the Babylonians was an outside uh, army, not godly people trying to invade their space, their place, and take over. Jeremiah says, whoever just voluntarily go over to them will live. He will escape with his life. And this is what the Lord says. The city will certainly be handed over to the army of the king of Babylon, who will capture it. Then the official said to the king, this man, speaking of Jeremiah, should be put to death. He's discouraging the soldiers who are left in this city, as well as all the people, by the things he's saying to them. This man is not seeking the good of these people, but their ruin. He's in your hands, the king said. There's nothing... The king can do nothing to oppose you. So they took Jeremiah and they put him in a cistern or a a well is what that is. And the king, uh, which belonged to the king's son, which was in the courtyard of the guard, they lowered Jeremiah by ropes into the cistern. It had no water in it, only mud, and Jeremiah sank down into the mud. But Ebed-Melech, a Cushite, an official in the royal palace, heard that they had put Jeremiah into the cistern. And while the king was sitting in the Benjamin gate, Ebed-Melech went out of the palace and said to him, My lord the king, these men have acted wickedly, and all they've done to Jeremiah the prophet. They've thrown him into a cistern where he will starve to death when there is no longer any bread in the city. And the king commanded Ebed, the Cushite, to take 30 men with you and lift Jeremiah the prophet out of the cistern before he dies. So Ebed-Melech took the men and went with him to a room under the treasury of the palace. He took some old rags, some worn-out cloths from there, and let them down with ropes to Jeremiah in the cistern. Ebed-Melech said uh, said to Jeremiah, put these old rags and these worn-out cloths under your arms to pad the ropes. Jeremiah did so. Then they pulled him up, or they lifted him with the ropes out of the cistern And Jeremiah remained in the courtyard of the guard. I want to skip to the next chapter, verse number 39. Uh, It's possible up to two years has taken place before what Jeremiah prophesied happened. And while Jeremiah had been confined in the courtyard of the guard, the word of the Lord came to him, Go and tell Ebed-Malik the Cushite, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says, I'm about to fulfill my words against this city through disaster, not prosperity. At that time, they will be fulfilled before your eyes. How many remember what the prophecy was? If you don't surrender, what's going to happen? You're going to die of famine, die of sword, you'll be taken into captivity. But I will rescue you on that day, declares the Lord. You will not be handed over to those you fear. I will save you. You will, not buy, you will not fall by the sword, but will escape with your life because you trusted in me, declares the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word, which never returns void. I pray the next few minutes of time you will do what only you can do. Anoint me to speak the words of God. Also, I pray you will help each of us to hear with our ears, our hearts, and our mind what the Holy Spirit would say to us, and we'll give you thanks for it. Here by the room, said amen. So Jeremiah is one of the most popular prophets in the Old Testament. If I were to ask you, uh, name three or four prophets from the Old Testament, 
most of you, he would probably be one of the names that you regurgitated pretty quickly. He was a major player in speaking to God's, uh, being God's voice to, uh, to his generation, but also to us today. There are so many of Jeremiah's writings that still uh, speak to us, guide us today. Uh, he was a pivotal voice, but his pivotal voice could have been cut short if someone wouldn't have been faithful to lift their spiritual leader. It takes more than good pastors. It takes more than good teams. It takes more than spiritual leaders to make a great church. It takes people who will lift their leaders, who will stand with their leaders, who will fight with their leaders when necessary. Thankfully, Jeremiah had such a man that rose to the occasion. Any, any stat you read about spiritual leaders today, especially in America, I'm not sure if it's worldwide or not, but especially in America, is, is people in ministry are essentially dropping like flies. There are more people living the, leaving the ministry than there are entering the ministry in the U.S. today. And I don't think the problems are any more greater than they've ever been for any other generation. I do wonder, is the support for spiritual leaders as present as it once was? Are people willing to lift their leaders like they once did? I can tell you, the environment, the culture of this church, Megan and I, our team, we feel your prayers, we feel your support, but I can tell you that is not the culture of every place and every church. So I want to talk to you about how we, can, how we can continue and even lift spiritual leaders. And the, the example of our story is this, this unknown, little-known guy named Ebed Malek. And if you'll permit me, I'm probably just going to refer to him as Ebed for the rest of the day. Is that okay? So how did he lift his spiritual leader? Well, the first thing, the first way you can lift any spiritual leader is simply decide that you're going to commit to God's Word. I'm going to commit to God's Word whether it's fun or hard, whether it's popular or unpopular, whether it fits the narrative that I'm wanting to hear or not. The whole trouble for Jeremiah started because he faithfully spoke what God had given him, but people didn't want to hear it. I know you don't believe this, but in 2023, there are still people that don't want to hear what the Word of God says. And they're not lining the streets of Main Street. They're sitting in pews all across America today. They want a form of godliness, but they don't want the God. They want a, they want a season of truth, but they don't want the whole truth. They want just enough truth to fit their narrative, to make them comfortable, to give them the hope they want and not the hope that God promises. As a matter of fact, one of, the, one of the indicators of the last days, according to 2 Timothy chapter 4, is that a time would come when people would prefer to hear their version of the truth than the truth itself. That's exactly where Jeremiah was living. He was being persecuted, picked on, put aside, punished for the truth he was speaking. But thankfully, Ebed stuck to the truth 
even though it was unpopular. Thankfully, Ebed stuck to the truth, even though it didn't, it didn't fit what he wanted to hear. Did you hear what God said to him? He said, because, because you trusted in me, even though it was along the things that you feared the most, you trusted me anyway. Truth can cause friction and get you in trouble, but Ebed took a risk, right? It, took, it was a risk for him to go to the king and say, hey, Jeremiah is in this pit, and if, if no one rescues him, he's going to die. It took a risk for him to be identified, but he took the risk. He wasn't trying to be popular. Jeremiah wasn't trying to be popular. He was just trying to be faithful. And I'll say this, and, and maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think I am. I have a lot of interactions of pastors and spiritual leaders of all different sorts of denominations and regions of, of our regions of our world, really. And most of them that I come across are just trying to do one thing: be faithful to God's word. Now I know, just like if you watched the news last night, I don't know how many people commute into the metro area on a weekly basis. I don't know if it's 10,000 cars or 30,000 cars. How many we agree it's a lot, right? If you ever try to go down 67, 167 at 7 o'clock on a, on a Monday morning, you would say it's a lot. But I've noticed this. Most days, if you turn on Channel 7 News, it doesn't say, well, well you know, Little Rock Metro, glad to tell you that today 20,000 cars successfully came down 67, 167. They don't do that, do they? The only thing they publicize is there's a three-car pileup that halted traffic for 20 minutes. The only thing they advertise is tragedy, mishaps. And too many times when it comes to spiritual leaders, that's all that ever gets advertised. All we ever advertise are the few failings when there's Literally multitudes of spiritual leaders around the world that are doing what Jeremiah did. They're just trying to stay faithful to the Word of God. And in order to do so, they need someone like Ebed to come along and say, listen, stick to the truth, and I'll stick with you. Lift, point two, lift spiritual leaders in your life. Ebed went out of his way. He went to the king to try to rescue Jeremiah. How many of have you learned that doing the right thing doesn't always lead to right results in the short term? Sometimes you stand for righteousness and then you have to stand alone. Sometimes you do the right thing and instead of someone celebrating what you've done right, they throw tomatoes at you or they throw you in a well. That's what they did for Jeremiah. By the way, Public service announcement to anyone who has a desire to be a spiritual leader of any sort. We have Bible schools that will prepare you for your moments on the stage. But it's your relationship with the Lord that prepares you for your moments in the pit. And hear me, young people, if God's called you to ministry... You don't get the platform without the pit. By the way, church family, if you've ever been under a spiritual leader that hasn't spent his moments in the pit, 
be ready to rescue him because it's going to happen. More than once. Well, Pastor, how, how can I lift a spiritual leader? Ebed is a great example. The first thing he did, the first thing we find him doing is he interceded for his leader. He went to the king and interceded on his behalf. This was a gutsy move by Ebed. The moment, I mean, the, the, the guy, he, is, he is aligning himself with the messenger and the message that just got Jeremiah thrown into a well and left for dead. How many would say that takes guts? That takes faith. That, hey, I, I'm going to pick a side, and the side I'm picking is Jeremiah's side. It, they may throw me in the cistern. They may throw me in the well right there beside him, but it doesn't matter. I'm going to intercede on his behalf. Interceding, if that's a new word for you, simply means to ask on someone else's behalf. We usually mean, when we talk about interceding in the church world, we're usually talking about prayer, how we pray for someone on their behalf. Many of you have interceded for people. You didn't know it. But when you pray for someone else on their behalf, you're interceding for them. Ebed went to an evil king and interceded. How much more should each of us go to our righteous king and intercede for those spiritual leaders we, God puts in our life? I would challenge you this morning. Pray for spiritual leaders in your life. Pray for your, if, you're in a, if you're in a connect group, pray for your connect group leader. If you have kids in the kids' ministry, pray for your kids' pastors. If you have youth in our youth ministry, pray for your youth pastors. If you enjoy worship on Sunday morning, pray for your worship pastor. If you don't enjoy worship on Sunday morning, pray for your worship pastor. <laughs> pray for your lead pastor. He needs it most of all. Pray for your former pastors. Pray for the pastor you had 10 years ago. Because chances are he's still praying for you. Or she's still praying for you. The intercession of Ebed made a difference in the life of his spiritual leader. And you have the potential to make a difference in every spiritual leader in your life as well. You know, the, in the early 1800s, there was a, a preacher who brought great spiritual change to a lot of different places. His name was Charles Finney. You can go read his life story, just how God used him mightily. But something that's not always celebrated about Charles Finney is that Charles Finney rarely traveled or ministered alone. Anyway, anywhere he ever ministered, there was a man that traveled with him named Daniel Nash. And any time Brother Finney was going to go preach a crusade or preach in a church in a city, before he would go there, Daniel Nash would usually go there days in advance, weeks in advance if he had the time, and he would pray for the services and pray for Brother Finney before he got there. And at the end of their ministry, one writer said it this way, with all due credit to Mr. Finney for all that was done, it was the praying men that held the ropes of his ministry. Your prayers hold the ropes of spiritual leaders. By the way, that's why I so appreciate those of you who partner with us on Wednesday nights in our prayer service and those of you who intercede for the church on, uh, throughout your week and your intercessory groups. You're lifting the hands. Number two, or B, I should say handle 
leaders with care. Did you notice Ebed didn't just get Jeremiah out? What did he do? He made a stop first, and he got some old clothes and some cloths, and he padded under his armpits. He, did just, he just didn't want him out. He wanted him unharmed. I told you I kind of got the download of this message about a month ago. I, I spent about two weeks trying to figure out how could we get a hoist up there and put a rope around me and get some of our board members to... And then I decided I, want to know, I didn't want to know how that would happen. So I didn't bring it up to anybody because I was afraid someone might figure it out. But Ebed didn't, he didn't just want Jeremiah out. He wanted him unharmed. He was, he was, what does that mean? That means Ebed was honoring both the divine call and the frail humanity of his leader. See, being a spiritual leader doesn't make you invincible. It simply exposes you to more trauma. It puts a target on your back. But you have the ability to handle spiritual leaders with care. In about 2003, I'm guessing on the season, but it's about when I was getting ready to step out and I thought take my first lead pastor position it ended up not happening for another five years because of different things but but it's 2003 we were, we were getting ready to do that and, and because of that the pastor who I served under started having me sit on sit in on every board meeting for my last two years I was on staff with him just to learn and observe and so that's you know 30 or so board meetings I sit on I don't remember a lot of them but one I'll never forget pastor walked in and I could tell he was broken and he walked in and he shared with that group of board members that both of his teenage sons had been caught up in some legal trouble small town America, you know, there's no such thing as a secret. Within days, the whole city's going to know what his two boys have done. And he shares his disappointment, his devastation. He's heartbroken. He looked at those board members and he said, Guys, you know, the word says if a man can't handle his own family, that he's not worthy, he's not able to manage the affairs of the church. He said, so therefore I submit my resignation to you because my family is we're struggling right now. The minute he said those words, I began to A, be devastated for him, B, be, be panicked myself because if he goes, that means I go, so I thought I'm 30 seconds for being out of, out of a job. And in silence, that seemed like minutes. It was probably more like 30 seconds. Finally, one board member stood up. And he said, Pastor, you don't need to resign. We just need to pray harder for God to 
keep your family through this situation. And I saw those 10 board members get up from their chairs, rally around their pastor, and they prayed for him, cried with him, wept for him. It was in that moment that I realized how people could lift their spiritual leaders. Instead of cutting ties, they threw down ropes and they lifted him up. Friends, in the American church, we spend too much time cutting ties when God has called us to extend grace and mercy. And you and I have the ability to do that with the spiritual leaders that God puts in our life. See, you can lift spiritual leaders through encouragement. Don't you think when Jeremiah was down in that well, the moment he heard Ebed said, Hey, Jeremiah, I'm with you. I'm going to help you. Don't you think just that moment his spirit lifted? You and I have the same ability to lift people with words of encouragement. We can lift leaders by sticking with them during hard times. Did you notice what the Bible said about Ebed Malik? He was a Cushite. He was not even of the same clan as Jeremiah. So when I was reading this passage, this question struck me. Where are all Jeremiah's peoples? Where are all his brothers and sisters? How come this foreigner is the only person showing up and sticking with him in times of hardship? And the Apostle Paul talks over and over again about men who would come and visit him. Most of, most of Paul's, a lot of Paul's writing was written from a prison cell. The book of Philippians is simply a response to someone who, who, was, who was faithful to come visit Paul while he was in prison. They stuck with him. Ebed stuck when no one else would stick. And because of that, he saved Jeremiah. And he saved himself. Third this morning, Steward, how do I lift the spiritual leaders in my life? You steward the divine placements God's placed in your life. First number 18, chapter 39. The Lord said to Ebed through Jeremiah, You will not fall by the sword, but you're going to escape with your life because you trust in me. How had Ebed expressed trust in God? He expressed, it, he expressed trust in God by caring for Jeremiah. Every spiritual leader is an opportunity for us to steward them as a gift that God has placed in our life. That's what Ebed did. He stewarded well the spiritual leader God put in his path. He interceded for him. He lifted him. He cared for him. He stewarded him well. And because of that great stewardship, Ebed was taken care of by the Lord. I'm going to share a thought with you. I'm going to share a principle with you this morning that I believe with all my heart. Is that when you take care of spiritual leaders, God will take care of you. 
Ebed went and took care of Jeremiah. And what Ebed caused to happen for Jeremiah, God caused to happen for Ebed. I learned this principle this way. What I make happen for the man of God, God will make happen for me. It's the same principle. Pastor, I, 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 don't, that, 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 I don't really think that. Then whatever you do, do not read Mark chapter 9, verse number 41, because Jesus said, I tell you the truth, if anyone gives you a cup of cold water in my name because you belong to me, that person who gives the cup of water to you will not lose the reward. I believe this not because I'm a pastor preaching about pastor creation. I, I, to this day, have spiritual leaders physically above me in the chain of command, if you want to call it that. I have other spiritual leaders who, who I look to, and I still have an opportunity to steward them. I honor them because they're a gift of God in my life. Ebed is a guy you may have never really heard about before. But he changed the life of Jeremiah. He lived when others died because he stewarded his spiritual leader. Let me ask you this closing question. Who benefited more by Ebed lifting his spiritual leader? Jeremiah or Ebed? Who got more out of it? Jeremiah rescued from the, from the pit? Or Ebed, who did the rescuing, who God, two years later, delivered from slavery and death? Did one have more than another? Or were both of them blessed because one person stood? This morning, I want to take just a minute, and we're going to celebrate our, uh, our pastors of our church, our spiritual leaders. But before we do that, I want to ask you to bow with me in prayer. And I want to ask you to just begin to picture in your mind people in your life who, has been, who have been spiritual leaders to you, whether they are presently or in the past. And I want you to just begin to thank God for them. Lord, thank you for placing people in our path that have pointed us to you, who have encouraged us, nudged us, prodded us in growth in the things of Jesus. And Lord, we thank you for those people you placed in our lives today. I pray the next minutes of time as we honor those who serve among us in this house that you would also bless them, that they would sense joy from their calling, from their placement, and from their service. And I pray that all of us would just commit ourselves to being people who lift spiritual leaders. In Jesus' name, amen. Hello, this is Greg Sanders, pastor of the Assembly here in Cabot. I want to say thanks for listening today. If you're ever in the Cabot area, we'd love to have you join us for a service. For service times, check out our webpage at theassemblycabot.com. Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a great day and God bless.